cool. Not sure who that introduction was actually for, but <laughs> thank you. <laughs> okay, so uh, I'm going to leap straight into it. It's Cap Sunday. It's very exciting. Dan and Emily finally let me have the microphone. <laughs> Not getting it back. <laughs> so, in 1939, I'm taking you right back. At the start of World War II, the Ministry of Information designed a poster. And even though most of us, probably all of us, aren't old enough to remember that, I'm willing to bet you'd recognize it. It was a very simple red and white poster with a picture of a crown at the top and underneath were five words. Do we know what it is? Keep calm and carry on. You got it. Um, the poster and the slogan that it carried are timeless, maybe even more popular now than it was back then. It was a national call to press on despite the impending threat of war on our country. It was a classic symbol of the stiff upper lip and the epitome of British stoicism. Probably you've seen one of the many, many variations on this poster that are around these days. Um, I've printed out one here, nice little blank one for, for you. And I wonder how you would finish the phrase if you were creating the poster. So what I'd like you to do is to just talk to some of the friendly looking people around you and share with them, I'm gonna give you two minutes, what is your keep calm? Okay, how are we doing? Has everyone got their answers? Do you want to share some favourites with me? What we got then? Who wants to share? Keep calm and go back to bed. Love it. <laughs> Bake bread. Great. Keep calm and do maths. That is not a calming thing for me. <laughs> but you do you. <laughs> Have a chat. That's very Ryan. I like it. <laughs> Anyone at the back want to share yours? Come on, share with us. Don't be shy. No? Okay, all right. You come and pray. Oh, very, very religious, very, very devout. I like it. So, anyway, we all have our own ways, don't we, of coping with stress and those things that come up to, that threaten to take away our calm. Um, we're often encouraged to press on to soldier through adversity and not to let our emotions interfere. And these small actions, staying in bed, uh, having a chat, they can help us um, to do that in the day-to-day. -day. Um, and don't get me wrong, perseverance and resilience are really important qualities. But if this feels like the only acceptable way for us to feel in response to difficulties, then what do we do in times of anguish? How do we respond when our hearts are hurting? How do we act in times of pain and feelings of injustice? What do we turn to when doing maths 
or a cup of tea fails to solve all of our problems, what then? What if there's a different way to respond when our hearts are aching? As a church and as individuals, I know that most of us are pretty familiar with these feelings. And we've been learning about how we stand together with each other in the difficult times. And I think that's really timely and important. I hope today to bring some biblical context to underpin what we're already learning and journeying through. So I'm gonna to talk to you about lament. And I like to keep it fun and uh, light. <laughs> so lament is a word that we don't use that often. I think hopefully you'd probably agree with me. And it's an idea that might be unfamiliar to many. So I'm gonna give you another two minutes and I want you to share with the people around you what does lament mean to you? What does that word bring to mind? Okay, have you guys solved that one? What do we reckon lament means then? Being very sad. Being very sad. Okay, all right. Being very sad, but expressing your sadness somehow. Thank you. In psalm, oh. In song, okay. Lament is a musical sadness, according to Tim. Heard it here first. Anyone else? Steve's got something. So we sort of came up with it, it's a bit of a process. So it's, it's gathering all the things that are wrong, it's processing them, and then kind of transitioning through so that you're at peace with it. Okay, I like that. Okay, so, lament. It's an idea that can be quite unfamiliar in the church, but it is an important response to the pains and injustice that we do see and experience for ourselves. It is um, the deeply felt, passionate cry of a hurting heart. And we're going to look a bit more about that. So we do, we're familiar with the idea of encouraging each other with, with, with verses from the Bible, aren't we? We often might say to each other, rejoice in the Lord always. But we rarely counsel each other with the words of Micah. Lament with a doleful lamentation, saying, we're utterly ruined. And to be fair, there might be good reasons for that. <laughs> and it's not uncommon, is it, to see a praise and thanksgiving service on a church bulletin. But how often do we see the opposite? How often would we see a sorrow and grief service? Um, and the indirect message to that can be embrace joy, avoid sorrow. But could that type of thinking, that unintended, indirect message, mean that we are missing something that is vital to our Christian faith? What if we're supposed to embrace sorrow as well as joy? If you do look in your Bible, um, or if you're one of these fancy modern types, check your Bible app, um, you can find several examples of passages where people allowed themselves to be moved. Um, you've probably heard of this guy, Jesus, famously wept, 
well known for having done that. Uh, the psalmists cried out. People wore sackcloth and ashes to express their grief. And the prophets lamented. One of those prophets, a chap called Jeremiah, uh, you might know was known as the weeping prophet. He was a prophet who spent most of his life calling on God's people, the nation of Israel, to repent and to live the life that they're called to live in relationship with God. Now, a lot like my husband doesn't look like he's doing currently, they didn't listen. <laughs> and they were eventually captured by the Babylonians. Jeremiah saw his people with their freedom taken away, living outside of a relationship with God, and it broke his heart. He was so moved that he wrote an entire book, the Book of Lamentations, about what he saw and how he felt. And here is a little flavor from that book. So this is Lamentations 2:11, And he says, my eyes fail from weeping. I am in torment within. My heart is poured out on the ground because my people are destroyed. Dramatic stuff. Jeremiah didn't bottle up his feelings or maintain a stiff upper lip at the situation around him. Instead, he cried out to God. Lament isn't complicated. Lamenting is simply putting to words how we're feeling, stating the circumstances around us, and honestly bringing our pain before God. And there are many things, aren't there, in life that move us. Many things that can bring feelings of despair and cause our hearts to ache. War, bereavement, disaster, and injustice, for example. And this year, you might know, we're experiencing the highest rates of inflation for decades. And things are getting more and more difficult for those living in poverty. A report from the Food Foundation showed that 7 million adults missed meals in April 2022 due to rising costs. A recent YouGov poll indicates that figure to now be 8.5 million, which is a huge increase in such a short space of time. The energy cap rise means fuel bills are becoming unaffordable for many. According to the Joseph Roundtree Foundation, at the end of 2021, 3.8 million people on the lowest incomes had already fallen behind in paying bills. That figure is now an estimated 6.9 million. And almost 8 million people are estimated to be going entirely without heating or electricity. I'm just gonna let those rest for a moment because that's pretty scary stuff, isn't it? Right now, across the UK and right here in your community, there are people living in the middle of very real poverty neighbours with empty cupboards, 
a father who's unable to heat his cold and damp home, a mother for whom basic sanitary products are out of reach. In our debt centre here in Gloucester, we meet people and families in desperate need. A client I've been meeting with recently, I'm going to call her Julie, although that isn't her real name. Julie is really struggling to provide for her family at the moment. She's had a series of really tough times um, and a lot of life has happened to Julie. Uh, she's really quite sad and really quite broken about it all, really. In the past couple of weeks, we've been helping Julie out with food parcels via the local food bank. And we arranged for some food, not food, I've already told you about the food. We arranged for some fuel vouchers for her to put on her meter as it's starting to get cold. But it's also the little things too. When we met with Julie and her partner, she admitted to us with quite a bit of embarrassment that Julie's daughter is about to turn 16 and they got no money for a present for her. Um, which is really quite, it's a big one, isn't it? 16 like an important birthday. So they were quite sad to, to be in that situation. Um, so we were glad to be able to provide Julie some vouchers. So Julie's gonna be able to go and choose a present for her daughter. Um, and in fact, it was Julie's daughter's, no, it's Julie's daughter's birthday this week, so she'll be giving that present out very soon. Um, and it's something that many of us would take for granted being able to do. But Julie's just one of many clients who I could describe to you who are living these daily realities of choosing between basic things like heat or food. Parents who are going without so their children don't have to. And people making hard choices just to try to keep going. It is really difficult to hear these statistics and stories and even more difficult to know that these numbers are made up of lives and individuals who are made and loved by God. And that is a reason to lament. At CAP, we want to stand side by side with the church to lament with those who are living in poverty and facing the ever-worsening cost of living crisis. However, God's purpose for lament isn't that it just leaves us there in a place of darkness. It's in the midst of lament that we find hope. Listen to what Jeremiah says in the midst of his lament. Right in the heart of Lamentations, chapter 3, 19 to 23, he says, I remember my affliction and my wandering, the bitterness and the gall. I well remember them, and my soul is downcast within me. Yet this I call to mind, and therefore I have hope because of the Lord's great love. We're not consumed, for his compassions never fail. They are new 
every morning. Great is your faithfulness. Right in the middle of Jeremiah's lament for his country, he remembered the compassion, love, and hope of God. What a wonderful example of lament leading to new hope. At CAP, empowered and supported by the local church, we have the privilege of meeting people in the middle of crisis, people who are living in poverty, and as we journey with them, bringing the hope of God. One of those people is a man named Sid. And Sid has kindly shared his amazing story and his journey from lament to hope, which we're going to share with you in a short video after a brief intermission. <laughs> I think Darren's planning to sing us a song during this intermission. <laughs> Looking back on it, it's actually quite frightening. And I'm not a guy that frightens easily, but that looking back on it, it is actually quite frightening that he got to that point. Um, my name's Sid, I'm 58 years old. In my younger life, I was well into sport, cricket, rugby, boxing. Um, used to get paid for playing cricket and rugby. Actually playing cricket with Ian Botham, Graham Hick, Tom Moody, virtually half the England side were at Worcester at that time. I seriously injured myself, which meant that my sporting career was not over, but it would never be professional as I wanted it to be. I actually had an accident at work and something fell on my head and they took me up and gave me an x-ray and this lovely little chap came through and he said oh we found something that's not there not supposed to be there and i went oh you mean a brain and he said no you've got a tumor and i said no 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 i'm indestructible me i don't get things like that can't happen to me brain tumor was operated on april 2015. pretty much a year later was diagnosed with crohn's which is a quite a nasty stomach disorder. Admitted to hospital, um, and just before I was admitted to hospital, my mother passed away, who I've been looking after for a few years, um, quite suddenly as well. It, it turned out I was suffering from a very severe depression because of what had been going on. And obviously during that time as well, I was getting into debt without actually knowing I was getting into debt. I was on some quite um, heavy duty medication and it just spiralled. So pretty much everybody you could owe money to, I owed money to. The nurse came into the room and she said, can I get you anything? I said, no, just shut the door and let me die. I'd had enough. The will, the will to fight it had just gone.
So they looked after me in, in hospital and fixed the broken bits again and got me up and running. And when I came out, someone referred me or said to me, if you've got problems, give these people a ring and gave me a card. And when I got home is when I made the, the phone call to Cap. I tried to collect everything that was relevant to what was going on, so letters and bills and all the, the correspondence. And everything was explained, which puts you so much at ease because you actually, for the first time, know what's going on. And then Andrew said to me, I'll give you some... He actually gave me a load of prepaid envelopes. If anything comes, send this off to Cap. And for the first time, think, crikey, there's a way out of this, you know? It, it was like a, a weight being lifted off my shoulders. Brilliant. That's when Andrew dropped the bombshell. Did you fancy coming to church on Sunday, Sid? So I said, no, all right, no, no, yeah, no, no, that'd be nice. That'd be nice to come along. And I turned up knowing two people, Andrew and Chris. When I left, 20-plus people, see you next week, Sid, have a good week, see you next week. Oh, I'm going, crikey, it's a bit different, isn't it? They're all very nice. That was four years ago, but maybe a bit longer. Um, and apart from the times when I've been in hospital, I've not missed a Sunday. I see things totally differently now. My whole attitude is different now. I wake up every day, and every day is now a lovely day. <laughs> Without Cap, Gary, Andrew and Chris, and the church, I actually would rather not think about where I would be now. Um, it really has made that much of a difference to my life. It's that sense of belonging and the sense of friendship. To me, it, it is priceless. Thanks, Daniel. Sid's an incredible guy, isn't he? Um, my heart really goes out to him, finding himself in circumstances beyond his control. What I really love, though, is that Sid walked into that church knowing two people. And how powerful is it that by the end of that service, he'd spoken to about 20. That's a really huge change for him. Imagine how powerful that would have been for him after years of isolation and loneliness to suddenly know 20 people. That's life-changing, isn't it? Sid's was a journey from lament to hope, a complete transformation. And the journey that he'd been on in many ways reflects our vision and why CAP exists. At CAP, we have a vision, a mission statement to see transformed lives, thriving churches, and an end to UK poverty. Sid's life is a transformed one, I think we can all agree. From a place of hopelessness as he battled depression, physical illness and debt, to a place of hope. He now has a future that's hopeful. His story has a much, much better ending. And he's passing that hope on to others too. 
What an example of how God changes lives and opens doors for us to reach out and help others. And I just want to take a moment here just to, just to say that if Sid's story does resonate with you and your circumstances in any way, I encourage you not to put off seeking help. You can call CAP for free on the number that I hope is on the screen. Yes, it's on the screen. Brilliant. <laughs> Sid was also helped by a thriving local church. His church and ours partners with CAP to run a debt centre which is helping those being pulled under by the rising tide of debt. CAP provides a team of expert and accredited debt advisors who contact creditors and provide ongoing budget advice to clients over the phone. All that happens while the church-based debt centre manager and team of befrienders visit clients in their homes to journey alongside them on what is often a long road out of debt. Other churches might run life skills groups or job club courses to support those on low incomes or help people back into work. There are many ways that God calls us to reach out, to be the hands and feet of Jesus, a thriving church that has people ready to answer the call. Chris, the befriender, and the debt centre manager, Andrew, were just two people in Sid's church committed to reaching out to those most in need, helping them to find their new song of hope. And finally, Sid's story provides hope that UK poverty can end one life and one home at a time. But it also reminds us that there's more to be done. We're passionate about bringing about a place where destitution and poverty don't exist. A place where people currently living in poverty can find their song of hope. And our church is already a part of this. You can be a part of this too. I'd like you to invite, I'd like to invite you to join in a collective response, to play a part in seeing this vision becoming a reality. We cannot do this through isolated effort. We need to stand together as a nation of Christians who are opposed to injustice and poverty. You might have seen around you some forms on, on seats. Um, and you can begin today by filling out that form to receive updates about what CAP is doing and to hear more amazing stories of transformed lives like the ones I've shared today. If you are able, I'd also like to encourage you to join over 29,000 others around the country who give a regular financial gift to the work of CAP. We call these supporters life changers because through your support, you are literally changing lives, lives just like Sid's. If you're able to commit to a monthly gift to see lives changed, that would allow a person in the middle of debt and poverty just like Sid, to call our free phone debt helpline and be greeted by a warm, friendly voice and given that first, first glimpse of hope. There'll be many more glimpses along the journey for them. <laughs> I do want to be really clear with you, um, and some of you will have heard this already if you've been around for stories that I've shared before, that we don't pay anyone's debt for them. Instead, we journey with them until they find freedom from their debts.
we'd love you to join um, with those who already give, but please only give above and beyond what you give already to the local church. I'm not interested in stealing from the collection plate. And GVC, as you know, um, or as most of you know anyway, already supports CAP with that money anyway. Um, so if you do feel able to give and if you do feel moved by what I've shared today, um, then there is the um, response on the screen that you can do it on your mobile phone or you can fill out one of the forms. Um, but just, um, just to share, um, I'd still love you to fill out the form even if you're not able to um, commit to a financial gift because you'll be able to stay in touch with what CAP's doing. And if you do do that, I have got some books over on a table in the other room that I'd love to share with you. Um, this is a wonderful story called Nevertheless, um, written by CAP's founder, John Kirkby. It is a great story of how CAP began and how God can use ordinary people to do the extraordinary. And trust me, I know about ordinary people doing the extraordinary. <laughs> this book is free. Um, I'd love to give you a copy, so please do come to the stand um, after the service when we pop over for tea and toast. <laughs>